the Sabbath. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested from his labor. And this becomes the model for the Sabbath day commanded to the children of Israel to observe. The Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week, or Saturday. Sunday is the first day of the week, as the week starts over. I believe a good place to start a study on the Sabbath is to understand that God makes covenants or a treaty, alliance, and agreement to humanity, to nations, to individual people. In the ancient Middle East world, a covenant would be issued between two parties, a ruling party or a suzerain, and a ruled party, a vassal. And the ruling party would issue the agreement with a written document which contained promises issued by the ruling party along with the expectations of the ruled party. Also included were blessings of keeping the covenant and the consequences for breaking it. Each covenant had some sort of sign issued by the ruling party posted on the document which was placed in the center of the document that was to be openly displayed among the ruled party as a sign of allegiance and failure to do so would be considered rebellion. And having a basic understanding of the suzerain vassal covenant allows the student of scripture to get a better grasp on the Old Testament covenants as well as the covenanted people of Israel. It becomes clearer why throughout the law and prophets God continually calls his people Israel back to the covenant he made with them through Moses. And I encourage everybody, go online and search for this covenant between the suzerain and the vassal. Read up on it and kind of get familiar with it. Get the basics. And as a side note, when French archaeologists excavated the city of Mari, located in Syria, which was conquered by Hammurabi in 1760 BC, they found over 15,000 tablets, which confirm many people in the scriptures, such as Noah, Abram, and Jacob, and more. And they also discovered these tablets contained a lot of information on the customs of the day, including insight on a suzerain vassal covenant. So the covenant God made with Israel, sometimes referred to by scholars as the Mosaic covenant or the law, was a suzerain vassal type of covenant. The law was written on tablets and had a sign established to compel the vassals, that's Israel, to always remember the covenant. That sign was the Sabbath day and the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20. It's reiterated in Deuteronomy 5 verse 12 where it says, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath was given as a sign of the covenant between God and Israel. Exodus thirty-one sixteen. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me, that's God, and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. There's the meaning of the Sabbath, plain and simple. It is the sign of the covenant God made with Israel. It is for the people of Israel, between God and Israel, nobody else. There is no indication in Scripture that the Sabbath was for another people group outside the nation Israel. And it's forever, meaning it doesn't end. It is the sign to call back to remembrance 
the covenant God made with Israel there on Sinai. And there's other covenants with signs in the Old Testament. For example, between God and Noah, Genesis 9:11, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Now, the bow, it refers to the rainbow, which occurred after the flood changed the environment of the earth from a tropical environment to what we see now. So when we see the rainbow, we need to remember back to God's covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 6. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So circumcision would become that sign bringing back to remembrance the covenant that God made with Abraham. And circumcision would be part of the covenant between God and Israel that would come later as well. And there's other examples of signs that call for the remembering of a certain event in the scriptures. Abraham and Abimelech in Genesis 20, Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah, he added, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. Go back and read that story. And when Moses was commissioned by God to deliver Israel in Exodus chapter 3, and he tried to get out of it several times, But ultimately, God got through to him. And it says in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And that happened. Now, this may seem a little weird because the thing promised wouldn't happen until the thing commanded was fulfilled. But when Moses was on that mountain after the exodus from Egypt, he would certainly have been reminded of God's faithfulness. When God said to Moses, I will be with you, he knew, yep, you are. That was a sign. Number 17.10, And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Aaron's staff, and go back and read that in Numbers, became the sign. They would put that before the testimony or the ark, and that would always be a reminder that God made Aaron and his sons the priests, not a bunch of other guys who thought it'd be cool to be priests. That didn't work out good for Korah and his people. Another example of a sign in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and eleven eighteen, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So again, God is telling them, remember these things, these words I command you. Bind them as a sign on your hand so you can remember them. 
Deuteronomy 28.45, All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever. So when Israel is under fire and things are going really bad, these things are a sign that call us back to remembering that God said he would curse us if we turn our backs on him and disobey him and do our own thing. And there's others, the spies that interacted with Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, when she knew things are going to go real bad for my people. And she said in verse 12, Now then please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The man said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your family's household. So that was the sign. She said, don't kill us. They said, okay, this scarlet cord, let it hang out of your window, and then we will remember what you did. And they did. And Joshua 4, 5, Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Again, the sign brings back to memory the reason that they were there. God does not want the Israelites to forget certain things, and this was one of them. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 34, the priest Eli had a couple of degenerate sons who were a mess, Hophni and Phinehas, and it says, And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be assigned to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And they were off the hook. They were wicked men doing wicked things. And Eli knew it, and he did not restrain them. Eli was the priest serving at the tabernacle. And that happened. Both his sons died on the same day. Eli remembered it. God's word is true. And he says, this is a sign. This is going to happen. Sure enough, it happened. So reviewing the Sabbath's meaning in the scripture is pretty clear. It is a sign of the covenant with Moses, reminding the Jews every Saturday of their covenant relationship with God. And it's for the people of Israel and nobody else. Those outside of the covenant between God and Israel are not a part of that covenant, and the sign does not apply to them. And this issue was finalized in Acts chapter 15 at the Council of Jerusalem, where it says, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said it's necessary to circumcise and to order them to keep the law of Moses. They couldn't understand how non-Jews or Gentiles could in fact come into a relationship with God if they didn't come under their covenant. What they didn't realize is that Jesus kicked off the new covenant, spoken of in the Old Testament several places, which Paul would later write to the churches in Galatia who were still really hung up on this issue and say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So the law had been superseded, and the law proclaimed God's holiness and man's inability to attain it. Therefore, a sacrificial system was needed that man's sins may be atoned for. But Jesus provided the final sacrifice for sin, therefore making the law no longer necessary to atone for sin and be reconciled to God. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, talking about Jesus, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. So he's our high priest. He doesn't have to go into the sacrificial system to make atonement for himself. He was perfect and he died that life, offering up his perfect self as the sacrifice. There's no need for the sacrificial system anymore. Hebrews 9.11, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So again, Jesus paid that price. He didn't have to come into the temple with the blood of goats and calves as prescribed by the law. He came in by his own blood. Hebrews 9.25, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In the end of the ages, we're in the church age right now. This is the final age, and this final age is coming to a close, and Jesus' kingdom will be established on earth. So the outcome of the Council of Jerusalem regarding the question whether or not a believer must come under the requirements of the covenant between God and man was to declare that Gentiles didn't have to do anything Jewish, rather simply trust in Jesus and his sacrifice. And there were a few things that they identified that would be problematic between Jew and Gentile, but it really had nothing to do with what they were commanding. Rather, it was things that would stumble the Jews and the Gentiles if they hung out together. And it says in Acts 15, 19, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God, but should write them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, because this was a very idolatrous society. So Gentiles were steeped in idolatry and Jews weren't. So Gentiles need to understand that. They need to get away from idolatry, away from these gods, away from everything that even resembled paganism. That was the first thing. Second thing, refrain from sexual immorality. Gentiles had a completely different perspective on sex, and that would be a stumbling block to the Jewish brethren. And when they come in and they're like, yeah, this is my girlfriend. Dude, what's up? You know, that would be a problem. And from what has been strangled, and that's talking about how you prepare an animal to eat the animal. Do you kill it in a way that's prescribed by God, or do they kill it just any way that they feel like it, and then they offer the meat to the Jews, and they're going to be like, I can't eat this, man. So they're like, don't go there. That's the stumbling block between you and the Jews. And finally, it says, and from blood. The blood needed to be completely drained out of the animals before they would eat the meat because God said the life is in the blood of the animal. So the Gentiles are free from the law of Moses, including observing the Sabbath day. The church now has no obligation to observe a day of the week. It is not our sign. It is not our covenant. The new covenant sign was Jesus' body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed. That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. There is no obligation to go to church on a certain day. There is no obligation to observe the Sabbath day, which most people who observe the Sabbath day outside of the Jewish community, most Gentiles who do it, they're not doing it right. Because getting up and going to church, getting the kids ready, getting them fed, coming back, doing everything that they have to do at church, that's work. And the word Sabbath means rest.
Thank you.